you're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. Hey, this is Owen. If you're comfortable, leave your first name and state at the sound of the tiny truck backing up. Hi, Owen. This is Thomas from Virginia, and I have an interesting question. Um, I have a couple friends who are cops and a cousin who's a cop, and they all sort of seem um, very similar to one another. And I know one of the signs of cults is like the programming a cult personality. I was just wondering... Are police departments cults? Um, just like to know your thoughts on this. And I enjoy the show a lot. Thanks. Bye. I would not say that cops are in a cult because that's entirely too broad. But something that you'll notice about the military is that it's like their stated goal is to turn you into what they want you to be, right? Let's just talk about the military for a second because it's kind of analogous. When you enter boot camp, their goal is to break you down and build you back up in their image. I've been watching a lot of stuff about the military recently, and one common theme I've heard from a lot of ex-Marines and stuff like that is when you enter the military, they train you to be a soldier. When you exit the military, they don't train you how to be a civilian again. The military uses all of the same psychology that cults use to change people's personalities and make them into who they want them to be, to erase their authentic self and replace it with this new personality. That's what the military does. That's the whole bit, right? So I feel like it's obvious. Like, does it even need to be said that the military operates exactly like a cult? I mean, you can argue about whether or not it's necessary. You can argue about if, you know, if they consented to it, if they wanted that, if they knew what they were getting into. I mean, you can argue about whether or not it's wrong. That's not really on the table. It operates like a cult operates. They use that psychology and they've been studying it for decades, hundreds of years, to make these people into the perfect soldiers. The more perfect soldier that they produce, the better in their eyes. So the military operates just like a cult. And the police in America are in a very similar situation. Although they don't have the years of training, they only have like a few months in police academy, but they do a lot of the same shit. They cut your hair to look exactly the same. They teach you this personality. They teach you that this way of communicating with people. They teach you that you, about this power dynamic. You have the authority. You're the authority figure and all of this other stuff. So to answer the question a little bit more directly, they do have a, a personality programmed into them when they are in police academy. I, I feel that that's pretty obvious and not even something you can really argue with. But I, I think that it's a little bit too broad to say that the police are a cult as a whole. I think you have to get a little bit more specific than that. It's fair to say that the military and the police in the U.S. both use the same psychology that cults use to erase people's 
authentic personalities and give them the this new identity. Like with my mom, there is no Jennifer Morgan. There is only Jennifer Morgan, Jehovah's Witness. That is a key piece of who she is. Everywhere she goes, everything she does, everybody she talks to, it's all colored with that, with the Jehovah's Witness aspect. And it's the same with the military and the, and the police. You aren't John Smith. You're a John Smith police officer. You get the haircut, you have the badge and the uniform, you carry a gun everywhere, you have a gun safe. You know, th that's just how it works. So hopefully that answered your question. I've had a lot of uh, arguments with people about the military recently, but isn't, I mean, doesn't the military just straight up say that's what they want to do? Break you down and build you back up in their image? Aren't they, don't, aren't they open about the fact that they use psychology techniques to change people's identities into the perfect soldier? How is this something you even argue about? Of course it operates just like a cult. Hi, this is Colt from Indiana. Hope you're doing well in New York. Um, I have been... Colt from Indiana. I love it. Awesome name. Let's continue. Um, I have been approached and I've had my door knocked on by multiple young Jehovah's Witnesses. I'm talking 15 years old to 19 years old with their parents or elders out in the car. And I was wondering if there is anything I could do, say, I don't know, invite them inside. Is there anything that I can or should do to help them get out of that situation, get out of their organization, confirm their doubts? I, I don't know. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Thanks. It's a tough situation because the Jehovah's Witnesses who come to your door have basically been trained by the religion to resist any kind of pushback or any kind of oppositional ideas. They are trained to give you information, but not take any information back and accept that as fact. I remember going door to door and getting in arguments, de facto arguments or debates with people. For example, this one Pentecostal guy would handle snakes and drink poison and argued with me about whether or not you know, Jehovah's name was in the book, it was in the Bible, or whether or not he was right or I was right. You get that kind of thing as a Jehovah's Witness all the time, and you're prepared for it mentally. So the best time to approach them and try to change their mind on something probably isn't when they're in door knocking mode. They're expecting it then. They're prepared for it then. You want to try to get them when their guard is down generally. If their guard is up, the conversation's over. It, they, you're not going to be able to make any progress. So my recommendation to you would be probably tell them to put you on the do not call list so that, you know, they don't bother you anymore. But if you do want to invite them in, I, I appreciate the fact that you don't want to be a dick to them because a lot of people do. And I was one of those people one time to whom people were being dicks, and I didn't like it, and I wouldn't do that to somebody now. So I did make note of that in your voicemail. But if you really want to try to sit them down and talk to them, you could try a kind of Socratic reasoning with them, like street epistemology. Just ask them what they believe and why. Non-confrontationally, like I said before, 
The moment their guard goes up, the conversation is over. They're not listening anymore. They've shut down, and they're not going to accept anything you have to say. So present it in a more curious way. Like, you want to know what they believe and why they believe it. If they're right, you want to be right, too. There has to be like a give-and-take kind of relationship. After they tell you what they believe and why, start boiling it down. Pick it apart. Say, if I could show you that this isn't true. I'm not saying I can, but if we had the evidence in front of us, would that change your mind about Jehovah's Witnesses? They'd say, well, you know, no, there are all kinds of things. They'd come up with another reason for why they believe it. Do the same thing with that. Pull it apart until they have no leg to stand on anymore. Ultimately, every belief system like that boils down to one single thing, faith. That's it. When it all comes down to it, they have no reason to believe that Jehovah is the almighty God of the universe and created the earth. They have no reason to believe the earth is 6,000 years old. It's all about faith. That's what it always comes down to. And when it comes down to that, you can ask them, how do I know your faith is correct, but Muhammad's faith over here is not? How can I tell the difference? How do I know... Jehovah's Witnesses are right, but Muslims are wrong. There really is no answer to that, ultimately. And that's usually what people will say when placed in that position. I just, I, that you just have to believe. That's it. And that's a fine place to end the conversation. They'll go home that night and sit on it and think about it. You've planted a seed in their brain, and they're going to let it stew in there. They'll mull it over. If you can plant that seed where they start wondering why they actually do believe what they believe, realizing there is no good answer, you have succeeded. Hey, Owen, this is Andre from Tomwater, Washington. So what in hell does mantle of anointing mean and the anointed? This is the new kind of catch-it-all phrase for these whack jobs, and I'm assuming that this means... It's when they sit in a circle and they all stick their hands on somebody's head, speak in tongues and roll their eyes and pray out loud, really loud, and that person becomes anointed. Is that what they're talking about, or is this something else? Because I'm damn confused with it. Thanks. Bye. Yeah, certain denominations use that term a little bit more freely than other denominations of Christianity. I can tell you what it means technically, and I can tell you what it means to Jehovah's Witnesses, and maybe that'll add a little bit of context. To be anointed basically means to pour oil on your head. That's what they used to do back in the day, back, you know, 6,000 years ago or whatever. They would pour oil on the person's head who was anointed, and it was a symbol that they were special. They were chosen by God. They had some special mission to fulfill in God's plan. With Jehovah's Witnesses, they believe that you can only have a total of 144,000 people who are anointed. And in their case, anointed means something very specific. It means people who were chosen by God specifically to serve in heaven as joint heirs to the throne alongside Jesus after Armageddon, or during Armageddon, or whatever. So they, they're basically going to serve as like kings and priests in heaven. 144,000 people total. Their belief system gets really elaborate and intricate with this, so I'm, I'm going to try to keep it on a base level so as not to confuse too many people. But 
you determine that you're anointed in the Jehovah's Witness religion by just knowing. There is no special process. It's not earned by hard work or any of that other stuff. You just know. If there's ever any doubt in your mind that you're anointed, then you're not anointed. That's what they say. But there is a process they go through of, you know, telling the governing body, yes, I am anointed. And they say, okay, well, from here on out, then once a year, you're going to take communion. And it's going to be like, you know, on March, whatever, whenever Jehovah's Witness Easter is, that's when they take communion. Uh, no other Jehovah's Witness takes communion, only the anointed people. They have a whole bunch of extra beliefs that go along with the anointed people, too. For example, they have this belief that Armageddon was going to come, the end would come, before the last person from the generation of 1914 dies off. That person, whoever that person was, has to have been anointed before 1914. Before that person dies, Armageddon will come. That was their belief originally. Of course, it's been over a hundred years now. It's been a hundred and what, a hundred and seven years or something like that now. And here we are. That person is certainly dead. So how do they explain that? Simple. What they actually meant was anybody who was anointed during the lifetime of anybody who was anointed during the events that took place in 1914. That's what they meant. So it's called the second generation teaching. So anyways, to get back to the question, that's what anointed means to Jehovah's Witnesses. That's what anointed means in the Bible. Generally speaking, it means God assigned a special mission to these people. The biggest of Chungai, a lot of people in my city have radicalized to the point of openly talking about wanting to commit violence for Trump and how they do it. It's scary. It is fucking scary. And you know what? This is something else I wanted to talk about before I moved on to the article. I forgot to touch on this. This is another question I had from somebody. Telltale, how do you deprogram somebody who lives in a separate reality from you? This relates back to your, que or to your statement. I was talking to somebody, a distant relative, we'll say, and they, they're a QAnoner, basically, right? So I kind of went into deprogramming mode, and I was just kind of discussing things with them politely, calmly, you know, I'm not trying to rag on them or tear them down or tell them they're idiots or any of that shit. Not doing that. That's going to throw their guard up, and I'm not going to make any progress from that point on if that happens. So I'm trying to be real cool with them and just have a polite conversation, right? And I'm doing the street epistemology stuff, the deprogramming stuff, where I'm asking them questions. So when you do that with street epistemology, with the deprogramming techniques, you start with the claim. You find out what they believe and why they believe it. So what's his claim? His claim was something like, the virus is actually the flu. It's just the flu. There is no coronavirus. They made it up. That was, that, that's what he said, I believe. Okay, so that's our starting point. Now, why do you believe that? Usually, when I enter a deprogramming scenario, it's more abstract claims. Like, I believe that the soul of my grandmother is in this canary, or, or in this cardinal, or I believe that God created the earth 6,000 years ago. It's a little bit more abstract than that. And when I ask them questions about why, 
they usually try to take the evidence route, typically. So they'll say, there are trees in the desert that are 6,000 years old, but there aren't any trees older than that. Not true. So you'll say, okay, well, what if, hypothetically, not saying I can do this, but if I could prove to you that there were trees that are older than 10,000 years, would that change your mind about Jehovah creating the earth? And then, usually, when you present it to them that way, it'll back them into a corner, and they'll have to come up with another line of evidence. They'll say, no, I'd still believe it. And I'd say, why? They'll say, well, uh, you know, there's evidence that the stories in the Bible were true. I'll say, okay, well, what about that? You know, if I could prove to you that that's not true, you know, if I could prove the Bible was fabricated or something, would that change your mind? Is that the piece of evidence that you hinge your belief on, or is there something else? They usually end up backing themselves into a place of, I base it all on faith. That's usually what happens. And when it gets to that point, you can ask them, how can I tell you're more correct in your faith than the Muslim is in their faith? Because in the end, faith is nothing more than belief without evidence. That's what it is. How can I tell who is more correct? But with this QAnon relative I was talking to, that's not how it works, okay? The problem is we don't agree unreality. We have a different view of what reality is. He doesn't accept facts. That's the problem. And he doesn't understand the difference between belief and knowledge. So when I go into this conversation with him, I'm trying to deprogram him, basically. I start out by saying to him, why do you believe that it's the flu? And he says, evidence, man. It's all about the evidence. I say, okay, give me the evidence. What is it? And he starts rattling off these articles from these extreme far-right newspapers and media outlets, talking about, like, the Epic Times, the Daily Wire, uh, the Federalist, and all of this other stuff that basically say, the virus is actually the flu. It's not really the virus. It's not really the coronavirus. So he starts quoting this stuff. He's like, there's your evidence. Now what do I do? How do I address that? We have a different view of reality. He is no longer in belief mode. He is in what he believes to be knowledge mode. He has a completely separate reality that he's living in. And he doesn't even know how to go about getting to scientific facts. When I try to present scientific papers to him, he rejects them. He says that's big science trying to get one over on you, trying to lie to you. You should only believe the Federalist. You should only believe the Epic Times or the Daily Wire. That's the kind of shit you deal with. In America, we're in a different situation than we used to be. Okay, this isn't, just like, this isn't Jehovah's Witness territory now. This is separate reality territory. And deprogramming somebody who lives in a separate reality and can't agree upon what a fact is that means we're in a pretty bad fucking place. And we're going to have to work really hard to dig ourselves out of this as a country. Telltale is saying the Democrat Party rather than the Democratic Party offensive. I have had a lot of this recently. I found this really interesting because I had never heard this before. I had never heard that, it would, that it's offensive 
to say Democrat Party rather than Democratic Party. Personally, I think that's a little ridiculous. I understand that somebody on the right, the far right, came up with it uh, forever ago, like decades ago, and they've been using it as an epithet, apparently. Personally, I, I just I couldn't possibly care less. I don't think it's that big of a deal. And let me tell you why. There's something called the euphemism treadmill. I don't know if you guys have heard of this. I think the person who came up with the term was Sharon Taylor, Sharon Henderson Taylor in 1974, but Steven Pinker has talked about it anyways. So the euphemism treadmill is this idea that words that are in common usage become offensive over time and are deprecated in favor of different words, different terms for that exact same thing. Let me give you an example. People in 1900 used to say the word Weisenheimer, Goop, Bash, and Hawkshaw. Those were really common words back then. Used slang words, they were used constantly, right? Now, we don't give a shit about those words. We didn't even know what those words were. A lot of you guys probably never even heard those words before. But there was a period of time when those words were offensive. So somebody comes up with a word, they start using it to refer to something, anything. Hawkshaw means detective. And after some period of time, those words become offensive, and they're deprecated in favor of a different word. After a few years, after a couple of decades even, that word becomes offensive. Here's another example. When I was younger, my dad was handicapped. That is an offensive word, or it's, it's bordering on an offensive word. Handicapped is being deprecated for the word disabled now. You're not supposed to say handicapped. Some people actually are in favor of not saying the words stupid or idiot. They believe that those are offensive words. They'll use different terms. They'll say, you're being ridiculous, or you're being outrageous instead. People used to say colored person, and now they say person of color. This kind of thing happens, and it, it's always happened throughout history. The NAACP stands for National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. Now that's an offensive term. Now we say person of color. So the euphemism treadmill, to me, is a ridiculous rat race, but I understand why it's important to continue to deprecate certain words that are no longer acceptable. I will continue using the word stupid and idiot, and I'll continue using the word handicapped until somebody genuinely takes offense at that, and then I will stop. Then I'll start using disabled. That's where I place myself on the euphemism treadmill. You get people like Prager U, you know, Dennis Prager, completely losing his fucking mind over the fact that he can't say the N-word anymore. No, legit. I mean, I'm not joking. There's video of this. In fact, I might insert it in this clip. The left has made it impossible to say the N-word any longer. That's disgusting. It's a farce. It's the only word that you can't say in the English language. That's, why, that's a per... Why is it okay to say the K-word? Because the left doesn't give a damn about that word. They, they, because that, that's why. The left runs the country in the culture. And the more the left controls, the more totalitarian it is. That is not an attack. It's a statement of fact like two plus two equals four. It is idiotic that you cannot say the N-word. Idiotic. Of course, you should never call anybody the N-word. That's despicable.
but to say the word, to, you can't even say that the word is despicable. You have to say the N-word. There is real video of the guy disintegrating publicly because he can't say the N-word anymore. So I'm not going to be that person. That's fucking stupid and wrong. But I'm going to place myself in the middle of the euphemism treadmill. When somebody yells at me about it, I'll change it. Uh, not because I think it's wrong to say handicapped or stupid or idiot, but because public perception is changing and I'm going to move along with public perception. So that's simple. To get back to the Democratic Party or the Democrat Party, I think it's stupid to be offended over something like that. And on Twitter, somebody actually said that calling it the Democrat Party is as bad as deadnaming a trans person. Obviously, they're pretty far up on the euphemism treadmill. If, if the euphemism treadmill was a, a scale 1 to 10, they're at 11. I'm, a, I'm at 5 here. So they're getting entirely too offended. In fact, they're getting so offended by this that it is actually offensive to trans people what they're saying now. So I'm, I'm going to disregard extremists like that. That person was clearly an extremist on this subject. But if people are genuinely pissed off at me and, and really upset that I'm saying the Democrat Party instead of the Democratic Party, I guess I'll just say the Democratic Party, even though I think it's stupid. And when people genuinely get upset with me over saying handicapped or stupid or idiot and there is actual public outrage, I will change. And I'm not going to sit here and bitch about it. I'm just going to do it. But I wanted to put this on record. This will be probably its own video so that everybody understands my position on it. From here on, I'm not even going to talk about it. I'm just going to change my language to conform with the euphemism treadmill. Carla Berger, like the R word, exactly. That word is genuinely offensive now. And I don't say that word. There was a period in time in my young life where I, I did say that. Not offensively, just regularly like i used it to refer to mentally disabled people i thought that that was the word you were supposed to use and it was the word you were supposed to use at the time uh now you use a different term for it and i haven't used that word since uh some words i'm totally on board 100 percent. we shouldn't be using the r word it's not like a, i'm not gonna bitch about it i'm just gonna do it kind of thing with that i think it's right to stop using that word in that one case but there are some words like handicapped and stupid and idiot that I just, I'm just following along because I, you know, I don't want to offend anybody, basically. It's not that big of a deal. It's one word. Who fucking cares, honestly? So I'll continue using the word Democratic Party. But if I fuck it up, I'm not going to shed a tear. It's more about refusing to use someone's preferred word even when they have corrected you, such as refusing to call you Owen and solely using Carter. Not sure what you mean. Uh, you, you mean dead naming? Dead naming is not part of the euphemism treadmill. That's a completely different thing. That's totally separate. And dead naming is absolutely wrong in every circumstance as far as I'm concerned. Is that what you were referring to? I'm trying to understand what you were getting at. It's more about refusing to use someone's preferred word. Well, that's like, for, you mean like for handicapped or disabled? That's your preferred word. That's not my preferred word. You feel free to use disabled, uh, and I will use the word that I have used to refer to my dad when he was handicapped. If enough people get genuinely upset about that, like I said, I'll change it, but handicapped is not offensive. 
Like, it's just being deprecated. If you're taking offense to that, then you're on the extreme end here. There will come a time when wider society agrees. Handicap is offensive. There will come a time when that's the case. That time isn't now. We probably have about five or ten years before that's the case still. So when someone calls me out and yells at me for it, I'll change it. Next, we're going to evaluate Jim Baker's 2019 prophecies and see if any of them came true. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. The first article I wanted to look at is titled, Jim Baker, Christian Leaders and Politicians Will Be Murdered If Trump Is Not Re-Elected. This is on Right Wing Watch, and it's actually one article that shows a single video, but there are a couple of videos I wanted to look at. I wanted to talk about Jim Baker's 2019 predictions or prophecies about Trump becoming president and the consequences of him losing the election. Because, you know, we're in 2021 now, so we should have a clear picture of whether or not Jim Baker was right. If he was right, we should be able to verify it. So let's give this article a read and see what Jim Baker was saying in 2019. End Times prepper pastor Jim Baker warned on his television program today that if President Trump is not re-elected in 2020, Christian leaders and politicians will be murdered in the streets. That's a tall claim. Let's watch a clip and see what he said. Everybody, basically everybody except three people that I know of, said that Donald Trump could not be elected. <laughs> they, they said all the polls say he will not be elected. Okay, so interesting point he's making here. This was June 19th, 2019, okay? So this is like three years after the 2016 election. What did the polls look like in 2016? They leaned Hillary. The polls were accurate. It was all of the political commentators who were saying Hillary's absolutely most definitely 100% going to win. There was no reason to, to think that or to make that claim based off of what the polls were showing. They showed Hillary Clinton had a slight lead. The lead wasn't wide enough, it turns out. The simulations of elections showed Hillary Clinton won 73 times out of each of the 100 simulated elections that took place. Donald Trump won 27 out of the 100 simulated elections. I believe that's what it was. Correct me if I'm wrong in the comments. That's not zero to 100. That wasn't a 100% chance that Hillary Clinton was going to win. Donald Trump just hit on one of those 27 simulations. He just happened to pull it out. And it was very, very close in 2016. Hillary Clinton, of course, got the popular vote. Donald Trump only won through the Electoral College at the time. So it was not unreasonable for people to say, I don't think Trump's going to win. I said I don't think he's going to win. I knew there was a solid chance he might, though. There's a, a, an important distinction to be made. People make out like he blew it out of the water in 2016, and that just did not happen. How come he was elected? Because God's people voted. 
That's right. And the world that's knows right. it. That's right. The enemies of the gospel know it. Okay. You know? I find it so fascinating that they rallied around Donald Trump. Like the evangelical voters became so obsessed with Trump as their leader. What a terrible choice for a leader, right? For like somebody who claims to be like the moral majority or whatever. Is somebody who claims moral superiority to rally behind somebody like Donald Trump? I mean, I, I'm halfway convinced Donald Trump doesn't even believe in God, honestly. But they still rally behind him. It's fucking bizarre. Why? I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to say something I probably shouldn't say, but I'm going to say it anyhow. Oh, please say it. Be still my beating heart. I am so interested. Oh, boy. Because... His uh, his hype person in the background knows it's going to be a doozy, too. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Because what's coming next, if we keep losing, you're going to see. Okay, he's about to tell us. Uh, uh, he's making his uh, prophecy now, making his claim. Trump lost. We know that definitively. Biden is the president of the United States of America now. So I'm I'm expecting to be able to look around and see what Jim Baker is about to describe to us. The leaders of the church and the leaders of the gospel and the political conservative leaders that are powerful, you're going to see them suddenly die. Okay, so he's saying that uh, church leaders are going to be assassinated by the Democratic Party or whatever? Is that what he's saying? Is he saying... Democrats are going to send out hit squads to, like, take people out. Is this Russia? What is he talking about? Like, I remember hearing all kinds of stories where doctors were describing the things that were happening in Russia during the peak of the coronavirus or dur during the early days of the coronavirus. And then they would mysteriously fall out a window. That kind of shit actually happened in Russia back last year. It, it happens all the time. I mean, Navalny was... There was an attempted assassination on the guy. You guys remember that shit? Does Jim Baker believe that that kind of thing is orchestrated by the, the Democrats in the U.S.? Suddenly, as they were driving, suddenly, as they were in a boat, suddenly, an airplane, you're going to see one after. God spoke to me this years ago what would happen near the... Oh, so he's speaking with God's authority. This isn't just coming right off the top of his head. This is coming straight from God. God told him directly conservative leaders and church leaders pastors would be assassinated by the democrats if they won why do they need to hold office to perform assassinations anyways and i believe we're in that time they're so desperate this is life and death this is the hatred of murder is is in the in the country this guy is so completely outrageous and unhinged from reality at this point there's another clip from him of more claims he made more shit that was going to happen if the democrats won so let's listen and see what else he had to say this one came out august 26 2020 so Basically, a year after the last clip. Scared for America. I really am. I want to warn America. You're warning America. If we don't turn, we've got a few more days to stand up. 
it's going to be too late after the election, I believe. But I think if if we elect the wrong people and you is this a throwback to what he said a minute ago? If the Democrats take office, we're going to see all kinds of assassinations of pastors. Is that what he's saying? Or I, I, I'm not really super clear here. If we elect the wrong people and you see how wrong it's been, we're going to have a revolution. The church people are going to march in the streets and realize they've gone too far. Okay, so let's let's pause here for a second. It, did that happen? Was there a revolution, a supposed revolution? Yes, in fact, there was. He's right. January 6th, he predicted that. How about that shit? An insurrection came into the Capitol building and tried to take out the senators and, and the other members of Congress. So he was correct. Thanks to him, partially, and Trump, and other people who inspired disgusting hatred of the other, tribalism, anger, thanks to them inspiring those feelings in people and feeding them misinformation. He's right. Self-fulfilling prophecy, if you will. We can't let people burn America. We can't let the rebellion take over. And this is not going to be a nice place to live. And this isn't going to be a nice place to live if the Democrats take office. I believe that was the rest of the sentence. I think the U.S. basically hasn't changed at all for the most part since Biden took office. Almost not at all. A few little things here and there. And Biden is moving it in the right direction. But what can you really change in like 100 days or 200 days or whatever? Not much. The U.S. government is designed to take forever and be very difficult to change. It's designed to have gridlock unless everybody is in agreement. And in this radicalized environment that we're in politically, there's no chance in hell of agreement on almost anything. I think the Democrats accomplished COVID relief on a technicality. It was like a budget reconciliation deal. It what they didn't use, they didn't need the help of Republicans to do that. But they do need the help of Republicans to do literally anything else. Not one single Republican voted for COVID stimulus, for COVID relief. How bizarre is this shit? When people are literally dying and starving to death at, through no fault of their own, and we can't get a single Republican to help, not one, but we do it ourselves, we get it pushed through anyways, and then the Republicans take the credit for it. It's fucking ridiculous. Next, we're going to talk about Trump's prayer warrior organization, Intercessors for America, rallying behind Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. The next article I wanted to talk about is titled Trump's Prayer Warriors Are Rallying Around Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. This is by Peter Montgomery, written on rightwingwatch.org. 
So let's give this a read and see what it says. Intercessors for America, an army of prayer warriors that aggressively promoted former President Donald Trump, is urging conservative Christians to rally around Florida's Trumpist governor, Ron DeSantis. I've actually heard a lot of really, really bad things about DeSantis. He is worse than Trump because he is more intelligent and knows how to pull the levers of power more effectively. He's basically like a mini Trump. And it's extremely concerning to me and should be concerning to you that this guy has been talking about running for president in a couple of years or in a few years or whatever. In an email sent Thursday to subscribers of the prophetic Elijah list, IFA's Dave Cabal urges readers to sign a prayer card for DeSantis. Cabal claims that IFA will hand deliver the cards when they reach their goal of 100,000 prayers. The prayer card reads, Together as the body of Christ in America, we lift up Governor DeSantis. We stand in agreement with heaven's purposes concerning our nation. We stand by this governor who has declared his state to be under God's rule and authority and seeks righteousness and justice. Scriptural citations included. You know what's particularly fascinating about this? This is, it says, in an email sent Thursday to subscribers of the prophetic Elijah List. Do you guys know what the Elijah List is? You guys ever heard of Steve Schultz, Kat Kerr, Johnny Enlow, Robin Bullock, all those people? They're always appearing in stuff with that talking head on the left side. This guy right here, Steve Schultz, he is from ElijahList.com. This guy is part of the Elijah List. Isn't that some shit? Elijah List is basically this army of prayer warriors. This shit all ties back together. Let's keep reading. DeSantis delighted right-wing activists by recently signing a voter suppression law in a ceremony closed to all media except Fox News, as well as legislation banning transgender women and girls from scholastic sports in the state. Of course. He has also signed legislation and issued an executive order overriding local mask requirements. Yeah, as far right as he can possibly get. Whatever he can do to make the world a worse place to live in. He'll do it, because evangelicals absolutely eat that shit up. On Wednesday, a day before IFA's email, which is Intercessors for America, on Wednesday, a day before IFA's email, a poll sponsored by the right-wing Convention of States Action Group declared DeSantis the front-runner for the 2024 Republican presidential nomination if Trump decides not to run again. Trump said last week that a lot of people would be excited about a Trump-DeSantis ticket. Holy shit. This isn't good, guys. Really. This is really, really bad news. DeSantis is a terrible fucking person, but he's extremely popular in, in conservative circles. Although I think it's a little bit premature to say that he may run or he may be like the VP or whatever else, because I think Tucker Carlson's been talking about running. That would be really bad, too. Tucker Carlson is also a far-right extremist. DeSantis was also the top non-Trump choice of people who voted in the straw poll at this year's Conservative Political Action Conference, CPAC, which was held in Orlando. I wonder if Tucker Carlson was on that straw poll, because I honestly think Carlson would be at the very top of the field. Carlson is extremely popular, although, like I said, very, very far extreme right wing. Also this week, Matt Staver of the Florida-based religious right legal group Liberty Council published an episode of his Faith and Freedom podcast praising DeSantis for taking great actions to protect the freedom of Floridians. 
Liberty Council's communications director, Holly Meade, declared, we nominate Governor Ron DeSantis as governor of the century for America. Wow, I'm glad they don't actually have the power to fucking do that. Weird that they would claim that they do or even pretend that they do. Uh, DeSantis is actually a terrible fucking person, as we've already seen, as we've already read. The voter suppression bill that he pushed through, all the transphobic shit that he's pushed through, and refusing to wear masks. You gotta be fucking kidding me. Like, overriding local mask requirements. What is, these people have a death wish. No joke, this is like a fucking death cult at this point. Seriously. It's like they want to get people killed. What is the problem with wearing a fucking mask? Why is that so bad? Why are they obsessed with making sure nobody ever wears a mask? I don't get it. What could possibly be bad about wearing a mask that outweighs the good that it provides? Honestly, these people are fucking psychotic. Staver said that Florida is leading the nation in opposition to big tech censorship of conservatives and resistance to pandemic public health restrictions. Under DeSantis, companies that run cruise ships will not be allowed to require passengers to be vaccinated. Jesus fucking Christ, dude. Conservatives aren't being censored by big tech. I'll tell you what's happening. Big tech has decided to employ fact checkers and conservatives seem to be the most likely to spread false conspiracy theories. That's not big tech's fault. That's conservative extremists' fault. If you don't want to be censored by big tech, then stop spreading conspiracy theories. That fucking simple, honestly. Intercessors for America's Kubal claimed in this Thursday email that he recently met with DeSantis. Here's what he said. Just last month, I was in Florida speaking with Governor DeSantis about how Christian conservatives can defend principles of freedom and liberty. He told me he rejects government overreach, like enforcing a vaccine passport or shutting down churches during a pandemic. Oh my God. We're going to get into the vaccine passport stuff a little bit later, but that's absolutely fucking ridiculous too. And he's a man of his word. He just signed into law a bill that suspends all local COVID emergency orders in Florida. You know what? Honestly, this is my opinion. If he's going to cancel all local COVID emergency orders in Florida, he shouldn't get COVID relief from the federal government. Either you follow guidelines to help people deal with COVID, you follow guidelines to get your state back on track, or you don't get COVID relief funds or vaccines. Why the fuck should I be bailing them out when they're setting out to get more people killed? I don't fucking get it. Kubal praised DeSantis for pushing back on the radical left's tyrannical agenda, explaining he said no to COVID-19 lockdowns. He said no to a government-mandated vaccine passport. He said no to amnesty for illegal immigrants. He said no to big tech censorship. He didn't actually, DeSantis did not say no to COVID-19 lockdowns. He had to lock down eventually. He had no choice. Every state in the country had to lock down at a certain point because it was getting so completely out of control, it was destroying their economy. Every state locked down at, at one point or another. Starting to get better now because we have the vaccines, uh, thanks to Biden's ramped up efforts. But uh, DeSantis did not say no to COVID-19 lockdowns. He said yes to them. Until he knew that the vaccines were available to him. The vaccines that the Democrats had put extra time and work and money into expanding. That's when he said no to COVID-19 lockdowns. He said no to a government-mandated vaccine passport. What does that even mean? When would anybody ever need a vaccine passport? 
Yes, you need the vaccine to exit the country. You've always needed vaccines to go to other countries. Some countries require you to have the polio vaccine. Some require you to have the MMR vaccine. Vaccine passports have existed since the dawn of fucking time. Why is this one surprising? If you want to leave the country, you have to have a fucking vaccine. What is wrong with these people? Honestly. He said no to amnesty for illegal immigrants. That just makes him a fucking monster. And, and stupid. Immigrants make up the, the, the bottom of our economy. If immigration, if they crack down on immigration and say no to amnesty and deport, 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 our economy is suddenly fucked. That's how it's going to work. He said no to big tech censorship. Does he have any say in big, big tech censorship? What was he saying no to? Who was he saying no to? This is fucking ridiculous, man. IFA, which is Intercessors for America, described DeSantis as a Christian who is being persecuted for his faith. Give me a fucking break, man. Here's a quote from IFA. On a daily basis, Governor DeSantis endures relentless personal and spiritual attacks. So what's a spiritual attack? Is that something you have to get Kat Kerr in on to help you orchestrate? She got to come in and use her magic to orchestrate this spiritual attack. We've seen these attacks appear in many different ways. Attacks from the fake news media. Is this the spiritual attack we're talking about? spinning biased stories against our country's most conservative governor, like the outrageous lies they tried to spread about how Governor DeSantis handled COVID-19, when in fact, it was another leftist governor abusing his state's elderly population. What are they talking about? When in fact, it was another leftist governor? What are they even talking about here? Honestly, I have no fucking clue. DeSantis is the governor. What, what, what leftist governor are they referring to? I don't know. Attacks from liberal politicians who want to see Governor DeSantis manipulated and canceled. Like who? I don't want to see DeSantis manipulated. Who the fuck wants to see him manipulated? And what does canceled mean exactly? I'm sorry, I'm pulling this apart word by word because this is fucking nonsense. What do they mean by canceled? He's the governor. He can't be canceled. You mean fired? Can he even be fired? He can be impeached, but not fired, right? Can he, he can be impeached on a state level by, like, their state Supreme Court and shit, can't he? What do they mean by canceled? It's just part of this persecution complex. They have to be hated by people. That is how they fire up their base. That's how they fundraise. That's how they make money and get enthusiasm is through persecution. That's the whole point of the persecution complex in the first place, and that's why you find it in cults so much too, like Jehovah's Witnesses, obsessed with the idea that they're so hated by, by wider society. They love it. They eat it up. They want to be hated by wider society because it means they're right. It's sad. And attacks from forces of spiritual opposition you and I know will come after anyone who stands up for the word of God. Okay, well, they're not very specific with that one. They're just saying you and I know will come after anyone who stands up for the word of God. Can, can you cite an example? Give me an example of a spiritual attack that will come after you stand up for the word of God without breaking the law. You have to follow the law, of course. Everybody does. No one is supposed to be above the law in this constitutional society that we live in, right? This is back to right-wing watch. Among the specific asks Kubal urges readers to make of God in prayer, allow Governor DeSantis to rule in the midst of his enemies, not backing down or wavering due to the threats or intimidation. What threats and intimidation is he dealing with? 
I mean, I get death threats and shit like every fucking day. That's part of the job. Welcome to fucking public life, buddy. Everybody gets that shit. Are you getting something that I'm not getting? Is there some special situation that you're in, or is this just more persecution complex? IFA's prayer warriors urged the same rule in the midst of his enemy's prayer for Trump in 2018, which IFA said is the same decree that King David prophesied in his own nation concerning the coming Messiah. If I've said this once, I've said it a thousand fucking times. They view Trump as the new Messiah. I'm telling you. They view him like the Messiah, like Jesus. They don't believe he is part of the Trinity. They don't think he is one with God or anything, but they believe that he is part of God's plan, just like Jesus was. They believe that Trump running the country is part of God's plan for him. It's basically like Jesus dying on the cross, seriously. These people are batshit fucking crazy. And they're now backing Ron DeSantis. We should be concerned. Next, we're going to track down the source of the lie Republican Representative Lauren Boebert is spreading about Texas having zero COVID deaths in the past two months. Give us 30 seconds and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. The next article I wanted to look at is titled Christian Lawmaker Falsely Claims No COVID Deaths in Texas Since Mask Mandate Ended. This is on the Friendly Atheist website written by Hemant Mehta. So let's give this a read and see what it says. If there's one thing you need to know about Congresswoman Lauren Boebert, it's that the Republican lawmaker is a conspiracy theorist. If there are two things you need to know about her, it's that she's a conspiracy theorist who loves Jesus. Those are probably things she'd say about herself, even. I don't know. She kind of rejects the title conspiracy theorist, but she totally is. You know, this story is about Lauren Boebert saying that there were no COVID deaths in Texas. And I got to thinking, before I watched the video, I was like, come on, this is hyperbolic, right? Like, she didn't actually say Texas has had zero COVID deaths since in two months or whatever, right? Certainly, she wasn't that specific and incorrect. Just wait. We're about to find out. Let's keep reading. Which is a long way of saying she's a liar who has no shame about it because she feels like she's promoting a righteous cause. Last night, she appeared on the Real America's Voice Network's show, Dr. Gina Primetime, to talk about how COVID is no longer an issue in states that supposedly mishandled COVID. In fact, in Texas, where mask mandates were lifted months ago, she claimed there hasn't been a single COVID death since. Okay, let's watch this video and see what she actually had to say, because this can't be it, right? This has to be hyperbole. You know, I'm really enjoying uh, telling Speaker Pelosi to kiss my mask, though. Mask and ass do not rhyme with each other. If you wanted that to be clever, Lauren Boebert, ass and mask need to rhyme. It was not clever. Certainly not as clever as she thought it was based on this shit-eating grin she's got here. Uh, yesterday. <laughs> oh, and a, and a chuckle even. Wow, a chuckle from both of them. 
They thought ass and mask rhymed closely enough that it was worthy of a chuckle. Thomas Massey, Madison Cawthorn, uh, Brian Mass, Beth Van Dyne, and uh, several other colleagues joined me in refusing to wear a mask on the House floor. I'm telling you guys, we live in a separate reality from these people. Like, the evidence that masks are actually useful and accomplish a goal and lower the death rate, lower the case rate, is irrefutable. It's out there. Why the fuck do you think surgeons have worn masks since the dawn of fucking time? Well, not since the dawn of time, literally, but you, you get my meaning. Why do surgeons wear masks if they're completely useless? We have the data, the evidence, the scientific papers to prove masks actually slow the spread. Now, why is this woman obsessed with speeding up the spread of a deadly pandemic? Is her goal to make the government dysfunctional? Because that's the end result if the population can't get back to work, can't participate in the economy. Using masks and getting vaccinated are the two fastest ways of getting this government and this economy and this society back on track. Why is she and Marjorie Taylor Greene and Deanna Lorraine and all of the others, why are they obsessed with making things worse? I do not fucking get it. I would wonder if it was because Biden is president and they just want to stick it to the Democrats, except they were saying this exact same shit when Trump was president. Trump was saying this same exact shit. They had to fucking twist the guy's arm to get him to go out there and say, well, you know, I'll wear a mask sometimes. And then, like, 10 minutes after he steps off stage, he suddenly does a 180. He's like, no, I'm not wearing masks. That's stupid. Why do they want to get people killed? There is just no logical explanation for this at this point, really. Uh, Thomas Massey and I both got warnings, and uh, both of our letters ended up in the same exact place, ironically, the trash. See, this is why you give them $50,000 fines for each violation instead of a, a warning letter. Leftists <laughs> won't even listen to the bureaucratic, uh, the bureaucrats at the CDC. And it just goes to show that this party's follow the science slogan is a total joke, just like this entire administration, just like the entire Democrat Party. Um, I think what she's probably trying to do here is counteract the message that the the Democrats are desperately trying to get people to just follow the fucking science. It is so s straightforward. We have the scientific research to show that masks are useful. And she is trying to counteract that and make people think that the Democrats are just full of it. Instead of just owning up and being responsible and wearing a fucking mask. They want to tell you to listen to science and listen to data and facts, but they haven't done that for more than a year. Uh, two weeks to slow the spread turned into communism. Okay. Oh, God. Two weeks to slow the spread turned into communism. Okay. First of all, two weeks to slow the spread. That happened under Trump's watch. Any reputable scientist knew it was going to be more than two weeks. They all knew it would be more than two weeks. In fact, most of the population who is capable of rational thought, knew it was probably going to be more than two weeks. When we saw everything happening in China, we knew that it had been going on in China for months, and we also knew that China was doing really fucked up stuff to solve the problem, like literally welding people into their homes and not letting them out, and then prying the doors open after a month and finding people dead in there.
because they couldn't get out to get food or water. But the virus didn't spread. That's what China's point was. Obviously, that's completely the wrong thing to do. And, and it's evil, truly evil that China did that. But something this insidious like the, the virus isn't going to go away in two weeks. Most rational thinking people knew that. I wasn't completely convinced that it was something to worry about in the beginning. But when I saw it start popping up around different states, when I saw the WHO name it a pandemic, that's when I accepted it. I knew it was going to be a problem that was going to be on our backs for a while. So back to what Bobert was saying here. Nobody really of rational thought believed that. But it was said under Trump's administration. Uh, two weeks to slow the spread turned into communism really, really quickly. Now it's what what is fucking communist about what's happening right now? I, I'm completely at a loss for that one. Did, oh, does she even know what communism is? I bet she has no fucking clue what it is. Show me your yeah. papers. Uh, but don't forget, Gina, Texas removed their mask mandate two months ago. And Sleepy Joe called it Neanderthal thinking because it was. It's fucking stupid. Using a mask slows the spread. It helps people. It prevents death. It's Neanderthal thinking. No, sir. Republicans are just following the science. And since removing the mask mandate two months ago, Texas has not reported a single COVID death. Not one. Huh. Well, that's oddly specific, isn't it? So she's saying... Since remove let's let's get this claim right. Let's let's listen one more time. Make sure that we have it clear in our heads. Just following the science. And since removing the mask mandate two months ago, Texas has not reported a since removing the mask mandates two months ago, Texas has not reported a single death. Not one. Single COVID death. Not one. Okay. Couple of problems with that. First of all, reporting a COVID death and having a COVID death are two different things. There have been efforts to underreport or lower the report in one way or another. Uh, but aside from that, that's just factually inaccurate. Texas has reported lots of deaths since then. So let's actually look this up real quick. This is COVID statistics for the state of Texas, okay? So the state of Texas has had 2.94 million cases total and 51,366 deaths reported since the very beginning, basically, since March 17th, 2020. That's when this starts, this graph, right? If we zoom in, let's say 30 days, okay? And let's switch to deaths. Right here, on May 16th, we have one day where zero deaths were reported, although there are a lot of scientific papers making the argument that cases and deaths uh, as a result of COVID are actually about three times higher than the reported cases and deaths. They're very convincing scientific research papers. But let's just set that aside. Let's set it aside and look at this. There is a single day in the past 30 days where no deaths had been reported, but the, the seven-day average was steadily 45, 43, 44, and then uh, 41. I mean, it is trending downward. I will give you that. 
But we look at the seven-day average when we deal with things like this, and it is not zero. She said two months ago, though, right? Uh, and this article originally, I believe, this article came out May 20th, and I think the video came out just a couple of days before that. So we're going to assume what she was talking about was um, March, right? Let's say March 1st or March 20th. So the, the rolling seven-day seven average, March 1st, all the way through. We've got 228 deaths on the seven-day average. On March 1st, we had 129, 275, 274, 293. I'm not actually seeing a single day here that's zero. I'm not really sure what she was talking about. So I got to looking and wondering, where the fuck did this claim come from? Did, they, did she make this up? Did she hear this somewhere? Like, where did this come from? I have no fucking clue where she got this, right? Well, I found it. This is on Fox News, published three days ago. Texas reports zero COVID deaths months after liberal media predicted doomsday as Abbott reopened the state. Let's read it. Today, Texas reported zero COVID-related deaths, the only time that's happened since data was tracked in March 2020. Republican Texas Governor Greg Abbott tweeted on Sunday night, the fewest COVID cases in over 13 months, the lowest seven-day COVID positivity rate ever, the lowest COVID hospitalizations in 11 months. Thanks, Texans. Actually, you shouldn't be thanking Texans. You should be thanking the federal government who sped up vaccine production, who released the patents on the vaccines, who, put, who funded the vaccine efforts, uh, you should be thanking the companies who developed it and the people who invented it in the first place. You have a lot of people to thank, but basically none of them are Texans. Perhaps most surprised by the Lone Star State's dramatic drop in COVID cases and deaths are his critics who slammed Abbott's decision back in March to fully reopen his state. It was a stupid decision. It was a stupid decision then, and it's still considered a stupid decision as far as I'm concerned. It was a bad idea. You're getting more people killed. Masks save lives by encouraging people not to wear them, which is basically what he was doing there. You're getting more people killed. How much quicker would you have gotten to a day, a single day, where you had, you had zero reported cases if you just encourage people to wear their fucking masks? What is wrong with people? that they, they use this as some kind of fucking vindication. No, it's foolish to do something like this, and you got more people killed by choosing to do that. Those bodies are on your conscience. His critics went far beyond Democrats, who surely made themselves vocal in opposition to Texas reopening, with President Biden calling it Neanderthal thinking. I think it's pronounced Neanderthal, actually. I've been mispronouncing it this whole time. So did Lauren Boebert, though. And former Rep. Beto O'Rourke slamming the death warrant for Texas while accusing the governor of killing the people of Texas. He absolutely, for sure, most definitely got Texans killed. At least some. And the only reason that Texas came out of it with as few casualties as they did is because the federal government funded and pushed the vaccine efforts as hard as they did. They have the federal government and the taxpayers to thank for their situation, not Greg Abbott. And it's a, it's a shame that they're using this as a piece of propaganda 
to make themselves look better. And apparently it's working because we have Lauren Boebert out here not only spreading this piece of misinformation at best, but morphing it into a flat-out lie. Since removing the mask mandate two months ago, Texas has not reported a single COVID death, not one. There is no part of that that is truthful and accurate. And is she going to face consequences for lying to the public like that, misinforming them, making them completely misunderstand the situation? Of course not. Of course there won't be consequences for a public figure doing something like that, for a congresswoman doing something like that. Nobody gives a fuck. She's just going to sit there and keep lying and lying and lying her ass off. We have to do something about this. We have to teach critical thinking in school or something, seriously, because this problem is not going away. Thank you guys for coming and giving this a listen, and I will talk to you next week. If you like what I do and you want to make sure I can continue to do it, you can support me in a few ways. First, you can support me on Patreon. That's probably the best way. But if you want to get something back for your support, you can check out my Teespring. I sell all kinds of shirts and stickers and stuff on there. Second, you can support me by checking out my Etsy store. I sell 3D printed stands for every system from the original Nintendo to the Xbox One. And finally, if you want to support me in other ways, you can check me out on my other channels. I have the podcast channel, which is where I talk about whatever's on my mind. Politics, social issues, Issues, whatever. You can also find it everywhere podcasts can be found. Or you can check out the videos on my main channel where I focus on destructive cults. As it is with most channels these days, I rely on the support of viewers like you to keep my channel alive, so sharing my work is extremely helpful. Anyways, check me out in all those places if you haven't already. Thanks for listening, guys. Next, we're going to talk about Deanna Lorraine and Marjorie Taylor Greene going even further off the deep end, if that's even possible.